Well, praise God. We're going to go ahead and release the children now that they can see. They were waiting. Zach told me this morning before we started the service, I'm going to release the kids this morning, Dad. You ain't got nothing to worry about. And he comes whispering, hey, you need to release the kids. <laughs> so uh, it's so good to be here this morning with you. Look at someone and say, I'm glad you're here. Look at that other person you've been trying to avoid. Tell them, you too. Well, this morning, I'm just so glad that you're here with us this morning. And this, uh, you know, we've really been doing a, a series called Awake, Awakening. And, you know, for the, la- for the next 21 days, we, we're actually in the 14th day of our, our prayer and fasting. I know that some people had one guy, he, fa- he said, I'm just going to do a straight fast for three days. And, and he did it. And he said, man, I realized food was my God. And uh, just it was just neat, and just hearing God do things and break through with things. But before I start, we need to have a prayer awakening right now because how I many you know we've been praying for little Joel and people, Pastor? What's the update? What's going on with Joel? Let me explain what I know and uh, and tell you what's going on. I talked to Pastor Josh this morning. Uh, right now, what the doctors have done, they went in, they they did a, a catheter, a heart catheter. They looked at his heart, and they also while they were there. They had him under. They did a, a scope for his lungs. And what they found out, your, your, the right side of your heart, and any nurses or doctors in here, you can correct me. From what I understand, is actually the part that pumps the blood to your left and right lung. And what's happening is through those ventricles, there's arteries that feed off of that, that ventricle that, that kind of helps your lungs to breathe and everything, that blood flow. And what they found is that those, those, those arteries have shrunk, and they're shrinking. They have no idea why. They're right back at, at point A. They're really above their pay scale or their knowledge. And uh, they're sending everything off in a packet. They couldn't email it because there was just too much information with Joel. They sent it in a packet, um, next day air, to this guy in Denver that's a specialist. He... From what I understand, this is my own understanding, he's kind of like a guy that when people can't figure it out, he looks at all the, the facts and materials, and he's, just, he's a specialist in that, finding out, just t- pulling it apart and looking at things. Uh, Pastor Josh said that this morning they're putting the feeding tube. Don't worry about that. That is not an airplane taking off in our sanctuary. But uh, they're putting a the feeding tube in him today because they put him on some, some new medication to try to correct that. And he's uh, vomiting, and uh, so they're going to put a feeding tube in. Right now, they're looking at putting a port in him uh, for the medication. They're looking at doing home health care, maybe going uh, home in about a week or so. And so let let me just say this. You know, I was talking to Pastor Josh, and I'm not saying this, that I'm spiritual or anything, but I got up at 2.30 this morning. I haven't gone back to bed just praying for Joel, praying for the service. I really believe God wants to do something here. God wants to do a miracle. And it's going to take an incredible miracle of God. Do you hear me? That's what we're facing. We're not, you know, it's like there's no quick thing other than God. Do you understand me? And we know when the armies of God are marching towards something, the enemy tries to put a front. But we know that there's power through prayer I'm a product of prayer. There's many of you that are just a product of prayer. Someone got up in the middle of the night. Someone got up and just said, you know what, God, I I met them the other day at Walmart, and I'm praying that, God, you would bring a breakthrough in their lives. So this morning, let's just pray. Let's just grab the hand next to you. 
and, and just reach across if you can. And, and, and it's like, we just want to pray. We want to believe. The Bible says, you know, that, that if there's two of us agreeing, God's in the midst. And I know that my faith coupled with your faith equals an answer. How many of you believe that? It's not the, it's not the, it's not the, uh, uh, the volume of my prayer. It's not the length of my prayer. It's that we just pray and we ask God to come and work a miracle. Do you understand me? Father, right now, we just say it with me. Say, Joel. Joel. Lord, we just pray for Joel. Lord, right now, we thank you, Father, for, for Josh and Lindsay, but we pray specifically for Joel that you would come even right now. Lord, we don't know what to do. or, or even, All we can do is just pray and say, God, work a miracle. Heal this little baby. Heal his lungs. Heal his heart. Heal his body. Let that blood flow right through all those arteries, those capillaries. And cap- Lord, all the things that would have, all those tissues and all the muscle fibers. And uh, God, we pray that you would come and you would touch him and you would work a mighty miracle God that we would look and go look what God did look at the amazing work God has done father thank you for sparing his life but Lord we want we don't want him just to be spared we want him to have the quality of life we want him to be able to breathe and praise your name and father we pray that God that you would come and you would work nothing less than we cancel every assignment that the enemy has over his body over his mind over Josh and Lindsay we pray a protective head a covering that your angels would cover them Lord we pray that God as you build that hedge we pray for access God from the very your very throne room that you would speak strength Lord as you breathe into Adam we pray that you would breathe into Joel's little lungs Lord and you would just you would wipe out every infection everything that they don't know everything that's fighting his body and we pray for wholeness and healing in the mighty name of Jesus Father And we pray for Josh and Lindsay. You would just continue to pour out your spirit fresh and new over their lives. I pray for people this morning that are believing for people that they love this morning. God, that you would work a miracle in their lives, in their circumstances, in their their situations. We pray that all in your mighty name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen and amen. Well, praise God. I'm so excited to be here. My wife's under the weather. Just be praying for her. I woke up this morning and she wasn't feeling good. And so she's got some kind of stomach thing. But, you know, this morning as I began to talk, this morning I'm going to talk about sacrifice. And one of the things that you might not know, but in Half Moon Bay right now, today, in California, northern California coast, they have a thing called the Mavericks. And the Mavericks is that they have the world-class surfers from all over the world. There's only 20 that can do this. They have these massive waves. It's happening right now. And, as, and they're watching these waves and what they're doing. And these are called, these, they're just huge waves that they have to catch. And in 2010, two, got, two guys actually died doing this event called the Maverick. In, two, in, one, in 1994, there was a guy from Hawaii, the, the, the best big, big wave surfer in the world that was killed in, during this event. And here are these guys, they're willing to go into a wave that's at least 20 feet or more. And go into this, and what they got to do, they got to catch the wave and escape right before it shatters into the, the, the coast where the rocks and the coral, and that, not coral, but there's rocks there. And, and they got to get out of the way just in time. And I think about how people are willing to sacrifice that just to catch a wave. Man, everybody go hang loose, baby. You know what I mean? I don't know. And you win, you win, a, you win a, a trophy and says, I was an idiot. I caught a 20-foot wave and I survived. 
They don't allow anybody to watch on the cliffs that overlook it because they have these, they call them sneaker waves. Because a sneaker wave can come and it can hit, and they don't know when it's going to hit, and it can hit, hit the cliffs and draw you into the water. So what they do, they have to get their awards at the hotel, so they have to watch them on a big screen TV. And I think about that, I think, my gosh, people are willing to risk limb, life, just for a wave. Just for a wave. And I think about the great sacrifice, and we know this morning that Jesus made a great sacrifice for every one of us. God the Father did. You know, sending his son. But this morning, I just want to read a portion of scripture and it was actually part of Thursday's reading. If you've been doing the 21-day fast and going through the reading, it's, it's just scripture. It says, 1 Peter 2.9. It says, but you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, I love this, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, when you weren't looking, God called your name out and he says, you, you're on my team. And, you know, and what happens is maybe someone in the middle of the night called your name out. I'm, like I said earlier, I'm a product by, by a lady named Maydale Melton, alias Nene, my grandmother. That when she would call me in the middle of the night, and I'm going to use my life scripture here in a minute. She called me in the middle of the night. She goes, boy. The Holy, and that's how she would talk, the Holy Ghost woke me up. And the Lord put you in my heart. She called me at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm just peeling into my, my, trying to rub down the hallway, trying to find my way to my room. And all of a sudden the phone rings at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I get on the phone and it's, hey boy, who's this? This is your grandma. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. What have you been doing? And really what she was wearing, the hell have you been? No. And I was just like dumbfounded. She'd be praying for me. I would go and meet her and talk to her. And, and then she would send me a Bible for every birthday, for every If they had a Mardi Gras Bible, she would have sent that to me. The blue, the yellow, and the green. You know, I mean, whatever. I don't know. I mean, but because but, God was throwing something, mister. But anyway. And so what happened is, I, I can remember those moments, and I remember when I got saved, and she had this one lady, her name was Chris Barton. And Miss Chris would, when I, I, got, I, got, I got saved, I filled the Holy Spirit, and I went and met her at her house. She goes, oh, God, thank you. She started breaking out in tongues and, and worshiping Jesus. I've been praying for you, boy. That's my nickname by all her friends, boy. It wasn't just Tarzan and boy. I was boy after Tarzan's. But anyway, I, and I look at that, and I just say, name, your name is being called out. There was a sacrifice given by someone that took time. I look at Billy Knight here, and I just got to say, his mama, his daddy. I mean, she called me. My son's a rascal. Need to pray. I, we bought their house. His deposit's still left in that room somewhere. And I look around this room and I see some of you that I know that you're just a product of prayer. You're a product of a mama getting up, a grandmother getting up, or a friend that said, you know what? I'm just believing God for you. That God can bring a difference and a change in your life. And see, this morning, as I preached the word this morning, I've been preaching the word. I was thinking about this morning almost 33 years. I never did anything for three days consistent in my entire life till I got to know the Lord. May 15th, it'll be 33 years. 
And I think about, I love, there's nothing I would rather do. You know, as a pastor, I get to see eternal destinies changed. I get to see marriages restored. I get to see people that were shacking up. And they said, we don't want to be like this anymore. We want to live and we want to serve God. We want to honor God. There's people here right now this morning that I can remember counseling them. And, and they were living together. And, they, and I did their wedding. And thank God that they said, let me and I feel the call of God. I don't want to live this wedding. I want to live the way God wants me to live. There's families' lives that have been turned around. Foundations in people's lives have been built. People come in here with no foundation, faulty foundation, or trying to find foundation. And our desire is that we build spiritual foundation. It's the bedrock of your life. Are you with me this morning? Because I am going somewhere. I'm going to travel this morning on the travel channel. And see, this morning, there's nothing I would rather do than just see God work. And see, as a pastor, I get to see all that. Guess what? This text that I just shared with you, this text tells us you're in the ministry just as much as I am. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? For all, the Bible says, for all have been chosen in a royal priesthood. You see, you may say, well, how can I be in the ministry? I've never been ordained. I don't have my papers. I didn't take the test. I didn't go to school for that. Jesus said this, my life scripture. John 15, 16, it says, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you go and bear much fruit. In other words, God sets you apart. God is preparing you. I love the story about Napoleon Bonaparte. He's in the middle. He's talking to his generals preparing for war. And as he's around this table talking to his, his officers, all of a sudden his steed, his horse takes off in a, in a, a gallop. And one of the privates notices, and he, he gets him on his horse, and he runs, he runs after Napoleon's horse. And he brings Napoleon's horse back. And when this private brings it back right in the middle of all these officers that could have gotten up and done it, but the private did it. When he brought back the steed, Napoleon's steed, he said, Napoleon looked at him and said, thank you, Captain. As soon as, that, as soon as Napoleon said, thank you, Captain, that, that private went into the officer's tent, put on a captain's uniform, moved into the, cap, into the officer's quarters, because guess what? Napoleon began to say, you're a captain. And see, let me tell you something. You're a chosen child of God, and you better act like it. See, when God said, you're chosen, it means he picked you on his team. He goes, you, yeah, you. You heard me talk about my friend Frank Simkowski, fell asleep. He was dreaming in his sleep, and every, he, was pick, he was in his sleep. All right, you're on team one, team two, and he didn't pick himself in his own dream. Go, what team am I on? And see, sometimes we're going, what team am I on? God said, I chose you. You're on my team. You may ask this, well, if I'm supposed to be in the ministry, where's my office? Where's my ministry? Where, where is all that? If you work at a bank, if you work at Walmart, if you're a school teacher, or if you work on a rig, or if you work in a school, that's your mission field, that's your office, and that's your ministry. You see, the Lord has placed you. You're his pastor in the place that he put you in. He, you are. You see, when you understand this, it changes everything. Because see, we, end, we, we see ourselves not as a, as a banker or as a teacher or a coach or a student or a truck driver, but as a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ wherever we go and whatever we do. Are you all with me this morning? You see, we're, the, we're a minister. We're purposely placed in the place that God 
has put us. And we have an impact, and we will have an impact, and you can have an impact, even if you're questioning right now, for the kingdom of God. Well, Pastor Bubba, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. You don't know what kind of things you're doing in those little children that you're raising, mom. The destiny that God will give them. See, truly, we're a royal priesthood. See, what, what, what was a priest? What was, a, what, was, what was the priesthood? In the Old Testament, the priests, what they were, they were, they were consist, they, it consisted of a special group of men who would stand before God on behalf of the people. And then what they would do is before the people on behalf of God. But in the New Testament, the times, it says the entire church is the priesthood. Every one of us have been called. Every one of us have been chosen. Every one of, see, if that is the case, you say, well, it's, it's, it, it was the job of the Old Testament priests to offer sacrifice to the Lord, Pastor Bubba. How does that apply to us? And that's what I want to talk to you about. I'm glad you, you know, the thing I love about this church, y'all ask me great questions all the time. You see, consider the five sacrifices of the priesthood in the New Testament. And that's what God's called you to do. The first is this, the sacrifice of self, you. What do you mean? Romans 12.1, it says, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all that, all that he's done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. See, I've known this. I'm laying my life down for you, Lord. And see, because you gave yourself for me, you have great things awaiting me, and I don't want to miss anything that you have for me now or eternally. In other words, see, the first sacrifice we offer in the New Testament, the first sacrifice we offer God is us. Here I am, God. Whatever you can do, use me. And see, here's the lie. The enemy will go, He'll play back the recorder of everything you've ever done that would disqualify you. Come on. He's a prosecuting attorney in your mind. He, oh, you, you remember May 17th? Yesterday, you remember your sister came over and you and she said, and you said, well, well, let me tell you. God can't use you. Remember when you did this? Remember when you did that? And that's where you have to go before God and say, God, thank you for your blood. The blood of Jesus is applied to my life that brings forgiveness and wholeness. And it's by your grace. It's not, on my go- it's not on my works. It's not on my merits. But it's by your grace that I stand here alone. And that, God, I give you my life as a living sacrifice. And the Bible says that's acceptable. Acceptable. How many of you have ever had a hard time being accepted? Accept yourself. Accept, and think that other people will accept you. God says, I accept you. If you come to me as a living sacrifice, Holy sacrifice. See, living sacrifices tend to wiggle on the altar, don't they? You know, we look at, we think about altars in the Old Testament. I mean, man, the, the goat and the sheep weren't just going, rah, 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 sacrifice me. They were squealing, man. It was a mess. They had to slit their throat before they sacrificed. Come on. They tied them down. And for some of us, God's trying to get through our lives, and he's trying to, and we're wiggling. You know, come on. I'm not talking about the wiggles. That's what the kids watch. But I, I mean, you know, God's going, you know, God sometimes will go, hey, I want you to do that. Me? That's the devil. How about, how many of you have ever just Lord speak to you about giving something to somebody sometimes? And you go, that's the devil. Come on. 
see me? Don't, don't shout me down when I start sharing a little bit of truth here. How many of you know that, how many of you battle with being generous sometimes? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I baited you. How many of you have a hard time sometimes just accepting who you are? How God made you. You may be a little different than other people. That's okay. You know, we are to continually lay down our lives every day. There's a story in England that was called about Latimer and Ridley. And they were being tortured and they were tied to the stake in England. And I forget the name of the street, but there's a street. There's a famous street. I can't remember where it is. Uh, what street it is, but they were tied to the stake and they lit a fire because they were passing up Bibles and giving and preaching the word of God. And Latimer looked at Ridley and he said, how is it with your soul? He said, all is well with me, Ridley. All is well with me. He said, for today, as they burn us at the stake, we will leave a mark that will change people's lives for eternity. And if you go On that street, there's an X that marks a spot where Latimer and Ridley were burned at the stake. And there's a plaque saying what they did and how they they were able to share the gospel with people. Can you imagine being able to, you you were, we, we, we don't know what that's like. To be able to give, you know, to be able to just have a Bible, they would risk their lives to share it with other people because what God had done in their own lives. They were willing to lay down their lives as a living sacrifice. The second sacrifice is the sacrifice of souls. In other words, the people of a person. Romans 15, 16 says, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that they might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. You know I just know this, when you, I read about a, a guy that literally he went to go get some quiet time in, 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 just to be with the Lord. And he was at, he was at in Oregon and he was sitting down and he'd actually gone to a graveyard just to, just to sit there and get some rest, read the Bible. And he says, as he was there, there was a mother there with her children and they were playing and they were playing hide and seek behind the tombstones. And he said, the Lord really spoke to him. He said, you know, he said, you know, it's kind of like what, what God really spoke to him. He said, it's kind of like while the world plays among the tombstones. Eternity is only a heartbeat away. While people play around with life and play with life like it's a game. Eternity is at stake. And when you have something that's life and death. It doesn't come, it doesn't challenge you till it's right in your face sometimes. And you understand what I'm saying? Let me ask you a question. How many of you lucky to be alive for some of the stupid things you've done in your life? Come on. No, it wasn't, it wasn't like God, it was you. You put yourself, how many of you ever put yourself in a stupid situation? Come on. And you look back and go, that was God, save my booty. You see, when you witness at Walmart or at the bank or in the neighborhood or at the playground, the best thing about the conversation you can have is about the goodness and the grace of God. I always, I I don't try to make it. I mean, it's not because I'm a preacher. It's because I just love the Lord. I always try to talk to people about the Lord. You know, I was at Walmart the other day, and I was going to get some stuff for my wife, and 
And, uh, and so I was getting it, and there was a lady at the checkout center, and she knew the lady before. She goes, hey, girl, how's it going? Hey, hey, girl. You know, they just go, girl, 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 you know. And I get up there, and we're talking about the Lord. You know, girl, the Lord can do that. I'm telling you the Lord can do that. Uh-huh, girl. You better look at the Lord. And I'm thinking, ooh, I'm, I'm, this lady's like red hot for Jesus, you know. So I go up there, and she goes, she goes, how's it going today, baby? I go, good. How about you? It's always good when the Lord's with you. Oh, yeah, come on now. The Lord with you? I said, absolutely, I know the Lord's with me. She goes, oh, sure, that's good to hear. I said, and I looked at her and said, you know, I've been walking two years with cancer, and the Lord has been with me. Oh, come on now. Tell me about it. And just been able to share with you. Come on. And some people aren't that open. Come on, let's be real. I lived in the streets of America, traveled, and lived in some of the biggest inner cities in America. I've been to 42 states, every major inner city in the United States. I've been, lived, been in missions, lived in the Salvation Army, ate with them, all that kind of stuff. Seen miracles, seen wild people, seen crazy people, people that are out of their mind, people that need the Lord. Come on. And able to share with them. And minister to them. I remember one time, me and my friend Jerry Fry, we were in Austin, Texas. And all of a sudden, he's talking to this guy about the Lord. We're witnessing. And it's like this big parade kind of thing. And, it's, and how many have been to Austin? Like 6th Street and all that. I mean, is it 6th Ave, 6th Street? What is it called? 6th? Okay. And it's, how many know that can be a rough place at night sometimes? And so we're just talking. And, and we're talking. And this guy, my friend, goes, hey, man, and Jesus. And he looks at this guy and he goes, Jesus loves you, dude. And the guy goes, don't tell me about that Jesus, man. And you got to know my friend Jerry Fryer. I mean, he, he, he looks at him, and he's, he got delivered from shooting up heroin and all this stuff. He was wild. And he looks at me, he goes, he goes, Dude, he goes man, listen, man. I just want to tell you, God loves you, and he sent his son Jesus just for you. And he said, don't say it. Don't say it. And that just provoked my friend. And he goes, Jesus loves you, man. He wants to help you. And the guy pulled out a buck knife and stabbed him three times. Boom, boom, boom. And you think, wow, that just, I saw it. And, and, and after the guy did it, my friend's running down the street. Jesus loves you, dude. Jesus loves you. And I promise you might not believe me. You won't believe me. Some of you, I just, he opened his shirt and there was just three red marks. The knife didn't go in him. If it did, God protected him. But I saw the blade. And after, because you see him saying, you open the shirt, "Ah! Ah!" no way, Pastor Bubba, you'd lie. No. I'm not lying. That's the kind of God we serve. He loves people. And see, I'm not telling you you're going to go down on Maine and you're going to get stabbed. Or you're going to get shot. Are you hearing me? But God wants you to go to Walmart. God wants you to go to your bank. God wants you to go to your school. And God wants you to share the goodness and the grace that he has for people around you. You go into store with a purpose knowing that when you go to the checkout, you're going to do your best to mention the goodness of God. You can be that person that makes a difference in someone else's life.
See, let me tell you something. Some of you are only one person away, one person away of having an incredible breakthrough in your life. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? See, you need God and you need people. And sometimes it just takes one person. What do you mean by that? You know, when we started this church, there's a guy in Lafayette that I used to do a Bible study, and he had the, the biggest, he has the biggest jewelry company in the, in the world. And it's in Lafayette, Stellar Settings. And when Mr. Stellar found out, and I know him through family and all that stuff, and he found out, I was doing a Bible study at his business, he said, and found out about the church, he said, Bubba, I want to give, I want to seed $50,000. We were, we were believing God for matching. I'll give you $50,000. If you can raise $50,000, I'll match it. Because I believe in what God, and listen, that's one person. That made a difference. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of us are one person away from God making a difference in your life. Thanks for all those amens. You see, and the third thing is a sacrifice. This is one we all love, of stuff. I love what Zach was saying, you know, like in marriage. Sometimes I remember when Tracy and I could get everything in the back of a pickup. Those days are long gone. Are you hearing me? I mean, those things are long gone just with my hunting stuff. I can't get in the pickup. I mean, I'm not going to point to my wife. I got stuff too. You know, you see, Philippians says this, at the moment I I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you send me with uh, afraid of. I know. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna get through this name. Ephrodopitus. Thank you. It's just the E. I'll call him E. They are sweet smelling sacrifice. My tongue will not spit it out. Sacrifice that acceptable and pleasing to God. He knows our tendencies to buy stuff we can't afford. Come on. With money we don't have in order to impress people we don't even like. This verse is saying, I want you to give not because I need your money, but because you need to be released from the bondage of materialism. Anybody want to say ouch on that one? See, when you give to the Lord, you're not, you're not just supporting a ministry, but you're giving away a bit of your selfishness and greediness. Doing so is pleasing in God's sight. I don't want to be greedy. I don't want to be tight. I don't want to be stingy. I mean, you know people like that. They squeak when they walk. They need a little giving oil. You see, God's saying... You know, in order to do that is you've got to learn to bless. And I know that when I have a need, this is, my, this is what I try to do. When I have a need, personally, I have a need. If it's a financial need, I look for someone to sow into, good ground to sow into. If it's a person, if it's a ministry, and I like to do the Pentecostal handshake. If you don't know what that is, you put a, a anybody that's in the ministry knows what that is. Someone places a $20 bill, a $100 bill, a $5 bill, something like that. And they say, brother, God bless you. And when they shake your hand, they feel that. And they know exactly what to do. Thank you, brother. It's just giving someone without shouting, look what I gave. I gave so-and-so. 
and you give it in secret. And watch what God does with it. And the fourth sacrifice is the sacrifice of song. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? Let me... This is what I mean before I read the scripture. How many of you have ever had seasons where you just, the Lord was so good to you, you felt his presence, it was all good? Come on. How many of you have had, and you're like, you go to someone, how are you doing, man? I'm having a bad week. How many of you have ever had, like, bad months? Come on. Anybody? Can I confess? I've had bad seasons. Where I just had to stay in the word. I didn't feel, you're going, well, you must not be praying right. You must not be doing something. No, I'm telling you, I'm doing everything I know that I should be. I'm, repent, I'm repenting of anything, any, any kind of thing. that I mean, I want to be right. I want to be clean. And is this what the scripture is? Therefore, let us offer, uh, offer, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. Proclaiming our allegiance to his name. See, springtime, you have to understand there's seasons in life. And springtime is understanding there's fresh growth. You sense God's presence in your life. The summertime, that's when it's, it's hot. I mean, how many of you like to have a nice, today's a nice day, isn't it? Come on. And, but I like that it's summertime's where you, it gets warmer, and not warmer, but darn hot in Louisiana. It gets hot, but that's when growth happens. That's when things bear fruit. That's when harvest comes. It's your summertime. And then that leads to fall when the wind begins to blow and, and it shakes the leaves out of your trees and you got to clean your gutters. and you, you know what I'm saying? Then there's that winter. It's cold, it's winter, and it's silent sometimes. Just silent. And see, that's sometimes what the seasons of life are. See, the father delighted when his children come to him to praise him no matter what season you're in. No matter what season. You know, I'll just say this. As I went through my chemo, it was literally, my chemotherapy, let me just say, it was literally like a summertime for me. There was the grace of God. I'm telling you, I witness, pray, all that. Come on, can I just be honest with you? All that stuff. Every, every, I mean, just, it was, I could sense I could sense God's presence on my life. Praying with people, and I I, I do that no matter what season I'm in. But after all the surgery and all the other things and stuff, can I just tell you something? And and I took some time off. I couldn't preach. You all remember that? I mean, some of you were glad. Amen. Zach was glad because he got to preach anyway. But I, I remember those were just... That was kind of a hard time for me. Not that I have to be up here and be the, an attraction. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be that. But it's just like, it's part of who I am and part of what I do. And I just kind of, and you know how the enemy tries to slip in and, and, and try to bring discouragement. No one in here has ever felt that. Y'all pray for me. But I can remember just those moments. It's kind of like marriage. When you first get married, woo-wee! I mean, you love machine. Everywhere. I'm not going there. Yeah, that's in the marriage thing coming up next month. But man, it's like, 
everything's good, everything's great, and then you give it, you have a couple of kids, give it a couple of years, and you were going to be the man, and she's telling you to carry that diaper bag, and you said, I'm the man. And she goes, you carry it or I'll kill you. But anyway. <laughs> and it's like all of a sudden in your marriage, it goes from a, a summer, a spring to a summer to a fall to a winter. And I've learned this in marriage. No matter what season I'm in, I'm still going to love my wife. Are you hearing me? Still going to love her. Because you know what? That's who God gave me, is my wife. And for every one of you, every one of you that are in the audience today, that are part of this body, part of this spiritual family, God wants you to know that no matter what season you're in, he's right there with you. And sometimes you got to, sometimes I love to come and praise God. I remember the, the, the last song when Nathan was playing that box thing, whatever that thing is. That's kind of cool. They had the acoustic set thing going today. You know, they were kind of like Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. You know, they were in the spirit. And, and they were up here singing all that and playing the little box and everything. And, and that last song, and it was just, when Zach started sharing, singing that song, it was like, I felt God. I literally felt a breakthrough. And sometimes it's me just getting my hands out of my pockets and going, I don't care how I feel today. I don't care if my wife is sick. I don't care what I had to do this morning. I can't, I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, literally, I promise you this morning, I had people texting me, Pastor, I can't come to church. I'm sick. Look, if you're sick and you don't, don't text me on a Sunday morning when I'm trying to get breakthrough. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, I, ain't come, I'm, I can't make it this morning. I mean, this is not a good thing. Can I just be honest with you? I'm like, I'm preaching through this. You know, sometimes you just got to walk through your season. And sometimes you just got to go, even when you don't feel it, like, God, thank you. Thank you for what you're giving. Even if, even if you don't have it, thank, start thanking him for it. You know what I do? God, I thank you for my healing. I thank you that I'm whole. I, you know, someone told me, he said, Pastor, God told me, someone in this church told me, one of the ladies said, Pastor, God told me to stop praying for Joel and start praising him for Joel what God's going to do. Just, it's thanksgiving. You see, if, you, if you're not raised in church and you don't know what that means, that means that you just thank God before you see whatever is coming your way, what you're believing God for, that you've got it already. And you start thanking him for it. I know a guy that, that literally, he was in India. He, he left. He, he, he had a scholarship. He wanted to go to Oral Roberts. He had the brains to do it and stuff. And the Lord told him, he said, uh, the money's already there. Two years he believed God for it. He said the money, while he's, while he's in India, some guys from Zimbabwe singing Christian country music with hats. All right, you know, Zimbabwe. I mean, brother, I mean, they don't know what a cowboy is. They're singing Christian gospel country music to Indians from Zimbabwe. And the guy, and one of the guys at the end, he goes, he asked him what he's going to do. I can feel that God's called you to the ministry. He said, yeah, I, I know, I'm believing. He said, he goes, I'm going to Oral Roberts. And he goes, and right before he was going around, he, he needed $7,000. Now, if you're from India and it's poor, and people make very little money, less than 200, some people, $200 a year, $7,000 is tremendous. And the guy walks around, he says, he says, you know, I was in America. I lived in America for a while, and in my account, I left $4,000 in my account. And if you go to America, here's my access, and here's my 
my thing. And there's $4,000 for you to go to ORU. And it was one little thing after that. When he left, when he left India, he could only leave India with $18. That's all they would allow him to go to ORU. When he left there, he started, he was in the airport, and he goes, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to thank you. I'm going to make it with $18 living in America for two years. And he started praising God. And as he's in the airport in Johannesburg, South Africa, where he's flying to get to America to go to Atlanta, then to go to Oklahoma, he's in the airport, and he's just, and these people, he meets these, these people, this, this business couple, and they're talking to him what he's going to do, where he's going. And the guy, first thing he does, he goes, how much money you got? He goes, well, I had 18, but now I have 17. And he goes, he'd never seen it before. He said the guy went to the ATM. Beep, 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 beep. He said he'd never seen it, but he came back, and he had a $100 bill. And he gave it to him. He goes, and he was thinking in his mind, I want one of those machines. God has answered my prayer. Just give me the code. And by the time he left Oral Roberts, For every semester he left as a debt-free person. Because he said this, I learned to thank God even before it came. He said, because when I went, he said, God told him, he said, it's already deposited into your account. You see, I believe this. God doesn't need to be praised. God doesn't need to be affirmed. He doesn't suffer from low self-esteem. God knows who he is. And he also knows we need to acknowledge who he is in order that we might be reminded. And the last sacrifice. Are you with me? You're learning anything yet? The last sacrifice is the sacrifice of service. Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, And don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Have you ever witnessed the miracle of of one of your kids thanking another one of your kids and saying, thank you. Thanks for helping me or thanks for giving me. Have you ever seen that? That is a miracle. Yeah, it'll happen. But it blows me away when I see my kids thank each other for thanks. The other night, we, you know, Tracy and Luke and Libby and I went and people in this church blessed us with some outback steakhouse cards, you know, for us to go out. So we had them, we've been saving them and doing them. And so we said, come on, Luke and Libby, we're going to Outback. And we went and ate at Outback and we went to the Orange Leaf, you know, because that's where Tracy wanted to go. And we just wanted to be with them. And, and we were just hanging out with them. And, and, and I remember, and Luke would come out and he goes, this is what he does. He goes, hey, mom, dad, thanks for bringing us. We had a great time. And we're like, Thanks. Sacrifice may not appeal to you because it always requires much of you. See, I bet, I, I, I bet this, I bet success appeals to you. How many of you want to be successful? Come on, don't lie. Come on. Five people. Boy, we need help in this church. How many of you want success in your life? Come on, let's be honest. You see, sacrifice, let me tell you, sacrifice secures success. What do you mean? Because sacrifices rele- sacrifice releases power. And great sacrifice releases great power. 
You see, this is one of the pivotal, essential, um, foundational understandings you need to have to have a successful spiritual life. There's things that i got to be willing to do. And if I'm willing to sacrifice much, God, there's much power. Come on. What, 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 what hero says, what, you know, great responsibility comes, great, well, whatever, great power. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, there you go. Thank you. I knew there would be Marvel fans in here. <laughs> you know, the bottom line is, is that if you have great sacrifice, it releases great power. You see, this is, and the reason God is calling you and me to be in the priesthood, to be a, a servant, to sacrifice, is because he knows that sacrifice secures your success. Can I just say as a pastor, man, I want you to succeed. I want you to be the best at what you can be. You know, my son, I'm just going to pick on Luke. His thing is, he goes, he goes to me, and he, he does. I mean, he makes the grades. I don't know. I didn't. He brought his report card home. He had all A's. And I go, Wow. I never had one like that, Luke. And he goes, you didn't? (laughs) No, not even close. (laughs) No way. That was foreign. Maybe it's if I can't pronounce Ephedophilus or Ephedes, whatever his name was. See, y'all know my, my education grade. It's God that gets me through this. But see, the thing is, the reason for success is this. Is that, you see, and I want to just illustrate it through a story this morning. If you go with me to 2 Kings chapter 3, and I'm going to be done. And let me just summarize the story. I know the story. You can go back. I would encourage you to go back and read it. It's a great story. There was a king. It was Ahab's son, Joram. And he had actually, uh, Ahab had died, and they had a king from Moab. And the king from Moab, Mesha. King Mesa, what he used to do, he used to breed sheep and give, um, he'd give 100,000 sheep to the kingdom every year. And he'd give 100,000 wool rams uh, to the kingdom every year. But he decided since Ahab, how many of you have heard of Jezebel? Okay. See, Ahab and Jezebel were married. And this is Jezebel's son. Okay. And he, and what happens the Moab king says, I'm not giving you the sheep anymore. I'm not sending you the wool. So what happens, Jerem gets mad and he gets Jehoshaphat and he gets another king and they go to go raid the Moab king to take him out. And as they're going there, they're, 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 he's mad. He's, he's not going to do this to me. He's not going to cut me off. These are part of my riches. This pro- provides for my kingdom. You're not cutting me off. So they ride together and they get out to a place where it's just desolate. And they looked at each other, how can we go out to war and do anything when there's nothing to feed our horses, no water to drink for our men? And Jehoshaphat goes, maybe we might need a prophet. So they call the prophet Elisha, who was the spiritual son of Elijah. And they begin to inquire him, and he said, man, I, and he, they want him to prophesy. And he goes, well, he goes, I need some music. So they get a harp, and the guy starts playing harp in the middle of the desert, okay? And all of a sudden, the music begins to, the music literally begins to stimulate the prophetic spirit in this guy. And he begins to prophesy. Here it is in verse 15. Now, bring me someone who can play the harp. While the harp was playing, they, the, while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You shall 
You shall see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves, your cattle and your other animals, but this, this is only a simple thing for the Lord, for he will make you victorious over the army of Moab. Let me just go and read. And says, you will conquer the best of their cities, even the fortified ones. You will, you will cut down all their good trees, stop up all their springs, and ruin all their good land with stones. The next day at the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, water suddenly appeared. Think about it. It was flowing from, from the direction of Edom. And soon there was water everywhere. Meanwhile, when the people of Moab heard that the three armies marching against them, they mobilized every man who was old enough to strap on a sword, and they stationed themselves along the border. But when they got up the next morning, the sun was shining across the water, making it appear red to the Moabites like blood. How many like the Lord? And he goes, and here's, it's blood! The The Moabites began to exclaim, The three armies must have attacked and killed each other. Let's go, men of Moab, and collect the plunder. But when the Moabites (laughs) arrived at the Israelite camp, the army of Israel rushed out. You imagine, come on, man, we're going. Come on, man, let's double cup to the camp. We got all these goods. And all of a sudden, you imagine, as they're thinking they're getting all this stuff, the Israelite army comes out and they go, ah, you know. They rushed out to attack them until they turned and ran, and the army of Israel chased them into the land of Moab, destroying everything as they went. They destroyed the towns, covered their good lands with stone. Everything he said in verse 26, the king Moab said that he, he saw that he was losing the battle. He led 700 of his swordsmen in a desperate attempt to break through the enemy lines near the king of Edom, but they failed. Then the king of Moab took his oldest son, who would have been the next king, And sacrificed him as a burnt offering on the wall. So there was great anger against Israel. And the Israelites withdrew and returned to their own land. See, the king of Moabites saved his people through a great sacrifice. He sacrificed his son in humiliation for everyone to see. I'm sure you understand the allegory. We're about to be wiped out. Our lives are about to be wiped out with sin. With our own selfishness. Yet the father stepped up with his son. as a great sacrifice. Are you with me? Hanging him on the tree. Of humiliation, pain. And suffering to die. For you and for me. The enemy was about to chase us down and damn us to eternity. Think about it. And he can no longer fight against such a sacrifice. The greatest sacrifice ever offered was when God gave his son. Are you with me this morning? The greatest power ever released is that which secures my salvation and your salvation. Say, may God help us and me to understand that, you know, that, that, that sacrifice is not something that is simply 
the cost, pain, and agony. The sacrifice God calls us to is to set us free in order so we can be successful and powerful in, the, in this life and in the ministry God's called you to walk in. God's saying, listen, if you're willing, I sacrifice. He gave the example. He said, if I'm willing to make sacrifice, will you make sacrifice with me? And if you make sacrifice, I'm going to flood your life with my power. I'm going to flood your life with my grace. People will be so jealous of, I want my enemies to be jealous what I got. How about you? I want my enemies to go, you know, that preacher, there's people talk about me. Maybe you used to be one of my enemies. (laughs) Welcome to the family. You know, you got enemies, people talking behind your back. Come on. Yeah, I can't feel them. Yeah, yeah. You know what? They're giving their money away. They're doing this. They're going to that church. What are they doing over there? Talking about all that God stuff. Come on, anybody? Come on, help me out. How can I do that? You know, because you know what? They've never seen anybody sacrifice like you're sacrificing. You go to church and we got a special meeting. You go on their Sunday. You got this and you go, give, give again. What's the, what's the problem with them? Look, if you have a problem with giving, go find a church you don't have a problem with giving. It's in where God called you. Go to somewhere where God has called you and give there. Thanks for all those amens. I appreciate that. If you want little success and you want little power, give little sacrifices. But if you want great success, if you want great power, say this. I'm going to praise the Lord. Say it with me. Even if it means getting less sleep. You didn't know I was going to tell you that one, did you? (laughs) Instead of gossiping at the lunchtime at work or at the school or going go slip away to a quiet spot and thank God for his goodness to you. You know what? I'm going to share the Lord with the kids at the school. I love, I got a text from Scott this week. He said, man, I took 33 kids uh, to uh, FCA, Fellowship Christian Athletes, and he said, 23, I'm not going to lie. If I start lying, tell me, cut me off. He said, 23, said, from Lake Arthur, said, we want to serve the Lord. They gave their hearts to the Lord, and we want to serve the Lord. He texts me, you know, and Zach beat me to the punch. And he said, can somebody come and help? Zach goes, I'll come. And I said, well, if he needs backup, I'm coming too. We can double team, high five, you know, just preach off. But, you know, I, I just think about that. See, the first thing's first. God's called us to pray. God's called us to fast. But God's also called us to give. You see, I believe this. Hold your hand like this. I'm going to have to usher this. We're going to receive an offering. Put your hands like that. See, this represents your portion. See, I know this. Poverty happens when you hold your hand tight. Are you hearing me? That's where poverty, that's the spirit of poverty. How many want the spirit of poverty? Anybody? You just keep holding your hand tight toward anything God wants to do in your life. I'm not talking about money either. Just anything God asks you to do. No, I'm not going to do that. God asks you to begin to do something. That's the devil. That's for somebody else. Come on, keep your hands there. Come on. See, can I tell you something? When you hold on to it, you just, it's just poverty. But when you release it, that's what you have on earth right here. But when you release it, you send it to heaven. 
You put it in God's hands. Are you hearing me? And can I tell you something? That's when the return comes. When you release it to God. Come on. Open, close your hand. Say that I ain't going to be tight. I ain't going to be tight, Lord. I want to be. Come on. Say it with me. I want to be a combine. You know what a combine does? It collects all kinds of harvest. You see what I'm praying for? I'm praying that God would raise up people that understand sacrifice and they go, you know what? I'm just releasing all that I have to you. And listen, and whatever God tells you to do, I'm not here to manipulate you. I'm not here to play with you, give you sad stories and show you pictures of little Ethiopian children with flies and their things and little malnutrition things and it has a little bowl that says, feed me for a dollar. No, I'm talking about let's change the kingdom. Can we change the atmosphere in Jennings and Lake Arthur and Hathaway and Iota and Welsh? Come on. Can we do that in Mermitaw? Can we change the atmosphere? Then we need people that are combines in the spirit that are willing to say, you know, whatever it takes. Because I know something about rice farmers around here. They, they, there's a lot of sacrifices. Early mornings, late nights. Well, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Go and fix that darn levy, that the nutrient. You got to find him, shoot him before he messes up your. Come on, your levy. Come on. The what? Too much rain. Got to change the level. There's a lot of sacrifice. But can I tell you, when the farmer's willing to go through the sacrifice and work hard and be diligent at it, can I tell you what happens? The harvest. The harvest. I had a friend of mine. This happened just recently. He goes, Bubba, I'm fixing to sell my rice. And when I sell my rice, I'm giving 10% of the harvest to your church. I'm like, man, I have not prayed for rice farmers that much. I'm going to start praying for rice farmers around here. No, I'm serious. It ain't happened yet. So pray he gets a good harvest. Are, are y'all sad? Are y'all okay? You're tired, okay? Are you hot? Okay. I'm going to release you in a minute, but we're going to go ahead and receive our tithe and offer. Come on, guys. Come on up. Did I preach too long? Come on, anybody give me a little more time? Five minutes, five, 10, 15, 20. All right, never mind. No, I'm not going to do that. This is all I want you to do. As we receive our tithe and offering this morning, I'm just praying for the Lord of the harvest. I've, I got a scripture. Man, I got a scripture. Got it this morning. I just want to read it. Man, it's, I love the scripture. How many love it when it's Jesus talking? I love Jesus. How about you? Anybody love Jesus in the house? thing I love about Jesus, he doesn't make it easy sometimes. He puts it right up in your grill. So Jesus said, Luke 6.38. Oh, Pastor, why'd you go to that one? Because I was reading it this morning. It says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaking together to make room for more. Running over and poured out into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. I've learned this. If I want to break the grip of poverty in my life, 
I've got to open my hands and throw seed. Wherever God wants me to do, seed. And God, listen, I, I, I believe this. Can I, I just believe if you give little seed, you'll get a little return. But if you get lots of seed, it gives you more chance to get more return. Amen? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And some of you need to learn the principle of giving. It's, we call it tithing. And it's a principle of giving. And then God will return whatever you need. Amen? If you go sow your time, I, I, I believe this. I do this all the time. I test, how many ever test God? Sometimes I've given. I have a thing that I have on, my, on my, my fast little thing, and it's 90 days I'm believing for three things, actually four. But God said, Bubba, you got a seed. you got a seed into this. And the first thing, I'm just praying for something happen with some people, that there's a breakthrough. I'm praying for some of you. Listen to me. How many of you believing for a house? Anybody believing for a house? Come on. Just raise your hand if you're believing for a house. I'm really praying for people to have a house. They can go live in and be secure in their house. I'm saying, I'm saying. Raise your hand if you're believing God for a house. Come on. Keep it there. I'm believing God for people to have houses. Oh, Pastor Bubba, what does that have to do with anything? For some people, means a lot. How many of you like to be an owner instead of a renter? That's what I'm praying for. Just praying breakthrough. God bless you. But it starts. Maybe it doesn't start this morning with this basket or this offering. But it may start next week, next month. But the Bible says test and see. That means try it. Do it. See if it works. Put God to the test. There's times when I've sowed some. I've sowed sometimes. You know what I've done? This is crazy, but I've done it. I've sowed when people need to get out of the parking lot or something. I stop sometimes and let them out. I can't tell you how many times I'm just driving and I was like, somebody goes. And I, I literally, I just go, that's the Lord. I'm just reaping what I sowed to other people. I promise you. You go, that's stupid. Try it. You in the jam, start being friendly. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we have this morning. Lord, we thank you for this new year. And I pray as we sow into your kingdom, it's our first fruits. This is like the beginning of a new year to believe you for greater things. I'm praying for people to have financial breakthrough. I'm praying for people to have jobs that they're believing for. I'm praying that people's names would be picked out of a stack of papers and go, that's the one we're hiring. I pray that, God, that you would give people favor that's not even fair. And I pray, Father, for those that are believing for homes. I pray that you would begin to just blow people's minds with homes. Things that they would just go, this is crazy. But they would test and see that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly what you ask. I just pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. This let you know on the marriage uh, conference that we're going to have, we're going to be giving you more information next week about that conference. And how many of you would be interested in a conference? Come on. I mean, okay, six people. All right. How many of you would say, I'm coming to that no matter what? We're looking at, it's probably, it might be $25 a couple. Okay.
Okay, $15 for a single person. That's what we're looking at, the cost, looking at that. Not, not any more than that. And, and that's going to entail everything. And let, let me just say this. It's going to be an incredible time. Because what we want to do, we know this. As a church, if we sow into your marriage, come on. How many want a great marriage? How many you just satisfied with an okay marriage? Anybody in here? How many want a great marriage? This is a time where you just sow your time into it and glean from it and allow God to speak to you and enrich us. And I'm just telling you, it's going to be an incredible moment. We're going to try to open it up to other people. If you have friends, we'll have flyers and everything else like that for you uh, next week to give to people. I encourage you to invite them. And I'm just telling you, I'm believing for a real breakthrough in this area for that. God bless you. Have a great, great day. We love you. Uh, We'll see you this coming next Sunday. Have a great Sunday. Give someone a high five and uh, give them a hug. Tell them you're glad to see them today. God bless you.